Hello, and welcome to Deadpool It Yourself. This is actually our second attempt to open, so before I fuck it up, let me get to the intros um, so that we can just get straight into this, because that's where I fucked it up last time. Um, Anyway, my name is The Senseless Apprentice, and I have not yet danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I want to say it could be. If you get the movie reference, you uh, are our target demographic. <laughs> it kind of rings a bell, but not enough for me, which I feel kind of sad about. But oh come on, you can't admit that on air. That's uh, that's you know, Michael Keaton Batman with Jack Nicholson Joker. That's Jack Napier. Ah, uh, see, I knew it was like jogging somewhere in there in the background. <laughs> And so you've heard him, but with me is the amalgamation of the essences of three different versions of himself from across the multiverse, Mr. Verano. Oh, thank you. I honestly thought I was confusing. I was getting confused for um, Mankind, Cactus Jack, and uh, Dude Love. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait, where? when did I go pro wrestling? Awesome. But yes, there's three versions of me. They're all awesome from the multiverse. At the moment you have met Mr. Verano, um, there is, um, there's the ultimate hippie version that might just have some, uh, you know, <laughs> dark side underneath. Yes, and then uh, there's Don Samurai, um, my <laughs> most sadistic one, close to Cactus Jack. So, uh, yeah, you don't want Don Samurai to come around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So yeah, um, news wise, I guess comic book. I don't know if there was so much. I, you know, I did think Vision. I thought yes. it was great. <laughs> um, that really seemed pretty cool. Um, what did? Was it Wandavision? I actually did finish watching it. Oh yeah. You know, the the biggest problem that WandaVision had was my own fucking expectations. It was excellent, but I was so let down at the end because it was like all the shit I wanted to happen because I let my imagination run wild didn't happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it was a very excellent, well made show. And I was still still disappointed because I built up what I wanted to happen so much in my head. And when, you know, maybe only 25% of it happened, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Now I'm sad that this, that all the possibilities in my mind didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it for what it was. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, kind of bummed that it just said series finale. I was like, dang it. <laughs> Season finale, but oh, well. No, no, no. Well, because WandaVision was always meant to be a transitionary piece. The only thing was, it was like because of the pandemic, it was supposed to come before or after, um, like Black Widow and and. Yeah, those all got delayed. Um, The ones that are supposed to maybe have multiple seasons that I heard are like Loki might have multiple seasons, and I'm not a hundred percent sure on what uh, whether Falcon and Winter Soldier is like a transition piece. Like WandaVision or whether it'll be a multi-seasoner. Oh, um, I thought that was supposed to just be a movie. Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah. 
No, dude, that comes out next week or something like that. Oh, as a show? Yeah. I totally misunderstood that. Oh, sweet. I'm so down for that. But here's what's fucking... Knowing my experience from WandaVision, what I'm going to have to do, as much as I'm not going to like it, is not watch any of it until it's all out. Because... Uh, Yeah, what do you think I did? No, like, maybe your way was smarter because... Like I said, my biggest problem with WandaVision was not anything that had anything to do with the show. The show itself was an excellent show. I was just so let down by my own fuck by my own expectations that like I just uh I feel like I might need to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier all the way through so I don't get my hopes up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just easier that way and it's nicer that it can just be all put at once. Well, not eventually at once. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think it was just easier for me to kind of just go right through the whole, um, WandaVision and, um, yeah, I'm hoping the same, I guess now for winter. Show. I honestly thought it was a movie. Thank God it's not then. I would really like for it to be a show. Sweet. The movies are like Eternals and Black Widow. And then everything. Now in production, like Thor's, I, I keep seeing news about like Love and Thunder. Yeah, Matt Damon's in it. Yeah, like still that. Or I'm looking forward to the. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to do the cancer storyline with Jane Foster. Ooh. Um, because they're supposed to. She's supposed to pick up the hammer in this one. Um, but like in the in the comics, it was really cool. I thought that like. Oh, the energy, the 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 significant strain in her body from being Thor is what's killing her. But what it really is is, uh, in the comics, the cool thing was she would get the chemotherapy and stuff for her cancer treatments, but she didn't realize until it was too late, kind of, that um, like the every time she turned into Thor, it purged all the toxins from her body, including the chemo chemicals, which. You know, when she would turn back, would allow the cancer to 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 just keep growing and un, unchecked and stuff. And so, like that was, it wasn't that she was dying because oh, being Thor's putting a strain on her body. She was dying because oh, it heals me, but not my cancer. Ah man, that's rough. Yeah, so that was that was a pretty cool way to sort of have her be Thor, but also have her have a weakness that doesn't make her all godlike like Thor. No, no, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Because, oh. I mean, that's the problem with godlike characters, is you always got to invent a weakness. Super yeah, 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 that's true. Super rare rocks from his home planet, you know? Like, it's almost like if you're going to have a, a powerful character like that, they got to have a MacGuffin. Yeah. And I'm probably not using that term correctly, but I don't care. <laughs> that's all right. So, on to our recap. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's do this smooth. Deadpool got himself kicked off. Cable. We're, we're going to recap uh, what's happening before the ep- before the, the actual issue we're getting to. So uh, Deadpool got himself kicked off a of Cable's new island nation called Providence, which is made up of the combined pieces of his old spaceship, Grey Malkin, uh, by killing the world's most wanted terrorist who Cable was trying to reform. Albeit, you know, judging from the way Cable was doing everything on Providence, a little bit half-assedly, like, you know, not really paying much attention to it. Really more concerned with some ambiguous alien-looking thing he kept pulling up on screens and wouldn't describe to anybody until he disappeared. 
<laughs> it seemed a very convenient timing as Cable was leaving his country for a whole for a while to go on an adventure with his old X Force team. So while Cable got his ass disappeared by an ambiguous enemy from a miniseries we didn't cover called The Scorn, Deadpool sought out the black box to help finding a way to kill himself. After using non-existent science to observe Deadpool fighting murder clowns in his own mind, the black box decides that the best way for Deadpool to kill himself is for him to take on whatever he thinks is the greatest threat to mankind. So he promptly teleported away and attempted to attack Cable on Providence, where he wasn't. In fact, the two members of X-Force that he ran into, Siren and Cannibal, informed him of Cable's disappearance, which I'm sure he was super, super sad and crying. (laughs) Oh, we saw it. He barely even registered. (laughs) (laughs) Forge, who is there because the editors gave Fabian Nasez a free reign to use characters no one gives a shit about, hence the super uncared cameos from Prester John, a.k.a. Not Thor, Black Box, a.k.a. Not Doctor Doom, and Forge, a.k.a. Not Iron Man, uh, rig Deadpool up to a harness that would take him to Cable wherever he is in the multiverse. So, first Deadpool found a version of Cable who had given up into his inner warrior, who had given into his inner warrior and became Apocalypse's horseman of war on Earth that is in an age of apocalypse, but not the one from the massive 90s event. Then Deadpool found a version of Cable who had given into his inner hippie, uh, a peace loving ideologue whose utopia may have been hiding the kind of dark secrets that Dead Kennedys warned about in California Uberalis. Um, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about when Cable sees Cannonball in that one scene and references kind of ambiguously, yeah, I hope things turn out differently between your version of me and you. <laughs> kind of that Cannonball didn't jive with Cable's uh, hippie utopia and Cable may have a uh, uh, final solution to him. <laughs> then Deadpool found a version of Cable who had the techno-organic baby from the 30 Pieces the follow-up to the burnt offering storyline of this t- title, overrun the world. During all of these encounters, the harness Deadpool was wearing, siphoning Cable's essence from each of the versions Deadpool met. Because comic book science—that's what Forge rigged the harness to do. Even though, you know, technically the he wasn't—if you see the pictures of the harness, it. it, it he's not wearing like half of it but whatever uh you know comic book science yep on the last world deadpool thinks he's meeting a new version of cable who is just a test tube baby in the care of his father mr sinister on a nebraska farm that is oddly reminiscent of the one that a certain kryptonian grew up on uh however it turns out that he had teleported from the previous world right around the time the house of m event started and that's why everything is different He teleported out at the end of the issue as the world faded into white when the Scarlet Witch committed genocide against her own kind with three simple words. No more mutants. How fucking dare she? (laughs) That's what the X-Men thought, which leads us to the opening of our current chapter in this story. And before we uh, get to that, let's just uh, quickly jump back and 
give you this is Cable and Deadpool issue 18, Enema of the State, part four, Bringing Up Baby. Um, it's written by Fabian Niseza. Its pencils are done by Patrick Zercher. Uh, the inker is Udon's Meth. The colors are done by Gotham. Uh, the letters are uh, visual calligraphies, Corey Pettit, and the cover art is done by Patrick Zercher, Udon's Meth, and Paul Mounts. And I really like the cover. It's a child cable with a stuffed animal Deadpool. No, I, I enjoy um, it too. It, I think it's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and he's standing in front of a, what's clearly like a, a, a child's drawn picture. Yeah. Uh, like, you got Irene Merriweather, Prester John, and like just the uh, island of Providence with a, a rainbow and a, and a sun, but they're all drawn like kitty drawings. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I should be a little scared of cable, but not at all. No, it just looks like an eight year old <laughs> trying to be all cool. His, it, the, the, cause cable's done in the, uh, the regular, you know, drawing style. And uh, no, his face—he looks kind of pissed off, but that's how Cable always looks. Yeah, a little bit like he's constipated. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a weird sort of cold open, or the closest thing a comic book can get to that, the first scene is Deadpool back in the harness in which this whole story started. Um, which I didn't realize until I was writing these notes that it has a sort of uh, sacrifice nailed to a cross kind of look to it. And I feel like that's a, a a a motif in this issue. It just comes up a couple of times where Deadpool and or Cable are tied up in such a way that you know it's just eerily reminiscent of of, of the of the crucifixion. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't understand it because they they really only s- sacrifice anything for each other in this issue. But uh, you know whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. He banters with Forge and Irene Merriweather in a sort of pre-recap recap with an interesting punchline. Um, Irene mentions that they might want to figure out what happened to Cable, and when you turn the page, there's a, there's a nice big splash page that kind of explains why. At Deadpool's feet is a baby with a glowing eye and a half-metal torso who exclaims, Deadpool Dada. <laughs> baby kind of growing up. <laughs> Here we get the traditional recap page, which is why Senseless Apprentice referred to the previous scene as a comic book cold open. Mr. Sinister and Baby Cable tell us everything we told you less than two minutes ago. Then we come back to everyone in the room trying to catch a running telekinetic baby. Good luck to them. Deadpool finally does just as Siren and Cannonball phase in after the regular three-minute delay as Forge explains the pseudoscience of what happened in the multiversal adventure and Strange John through the House of M, which Forge always has some basic explanation to it. it it's basically all the stuff we kind of already described. He, he explains that the harness was collecting cables essence and memories and blah 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 and pseudo comic book science that doesn't have to make sense because if you're reading something about a dude with a healing factor does the rest of it really make fucking matter yeah, not so much <laughs> you know you're reading about telepaths and telekinetics and then forges science not adding up to regular to real science is what what's going to be the hang up out here you know that's that's kind of how it works um basically all the all the top worlds that deadpool was on he was 
the, he explains how he was, uh, you know, picking up all these different things, different traces of cable, and then he comes back to the real world. And the thing about the House of M, uh, basically the reason Cable is a baby at this point and in the story and not an adult is because while the harness did its thing correctly on the three previous Earths of collecting the Cable essence, uh, Deadpool phased out of sync during a massive event on the real Earth where where, Babel, uh, where Cable was a baby in the House of M because the innocence is what he would have wanted while the control of the apex mutant potential is what mr sinister would have wanted because the thing about the house of m was uh we're gonna get to covering that actually because it's actually a really fun storyline and everything right here is reminding us of it um but uh scarlet witch uses the uh the mind of charles xavier to basically give everyone she can exactly what their heart desires and so that's what it keeps coming up in the comic is like, you know, you see, you meet different characters. And it's like, well, what did you wind up wanting? You know, and, and you know, there's some really funny punchlines like when Wolverine's like, apparently I wanted to be Nick Fury, you know. Um, but we'll describe that later. Uh, basically, in this, it, you can kind of assume that in this storyline, even though they're side characters, kind of what, what that wish that Scarlet Wish made um, meant for a character like Cable was that, you know, he's, he spent this entire comic book feeling like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. So the idea of being an innocent child or even a baby would be appealing to Cable, just like how Mr. Sinister is a crazy mutant Mengala who, um, you know, would have reveled at the thought of having the apex of mutant potential in his, in his, in his hand, you know, so they both are getting what they want. Um, but basically what, what Deadpool did was pulled himself and Cable out of reality at, ex- at the exact moment that it was resetting itself, which is why Cable is a baby here. Because if Deadpool hadn't pulled him out of reality, hadn't tried to, to teleport and then wound up succeeding, Cable would have just, when the world washed to white, he would have come back as his adult self. And instead, he's now this telekinetic baby that's running around. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Deadpool now convinced that Baby Cable is a real deal. Pulls out an early nineties Leaf Leafield pistol and Layfield. Rob Layfield. Thank you. Layfield's pistol and reverts to the conditioning the black box has placed in his mind. He needs to take out the greatest threat to mankind. And in his mind that threat is cable. Baby or not. Everyone in the room comes to Cable's aid. As Forge notes the physical signs of brain tampering in Deadpool's head. I'm really surprised he could notice anything in Deadpool's head. Facing the choice of earning Siren, who refuses to let go of baby Cable or not fulfilling his mission, Deadpool chooses to shoot himself in the head to buy everyone some time to figure this shit out. Which, it's a pretty smart idea, I guess, from Deadpool for once. It's, it's a running theme. Uh, that you see when it comes to Deadpool. Give him some time. Uh, it almost, I've read at least two or three storylines where Deadpool shoots himself in the head just to be like, in this one, it's because he's trying to buy everyone time while he knows he's brainwashed. At another time, I've seen it where he's just like, well, 
that storyline's over, and I've got nothing to do now, and I've eaten my Philip chimichangas, so see you in a few months, and blow and shoots himself in the head. <laughs> you know. Um, when he comes to, the most somber-looking six-year-old with a glowing eye is keeping watch over him. He is, of course, strapped down to a gurney once again in that on-the-cross position. As everyone argues about how frustrating Deadpool can be because his mind is damaged worse than it ever was. And even when it wasn't this damaged, he was still annoying and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Eight-year-old Cable interjects and says that he knows who brainwashed Deadpool. At these words, everyone realizes that it was not only his telekinesis that had been restored by these recent events. Cable is once again one of the world's foremost telepaths. Ooh, everyone is so screwed. However, the same risk exists. It's more cable. <laughs> yeah. However, the same risks exist here as they did in the burned offering. The level of power that cable will grow into will now be will not be sustainable. His power will be greater than his body can hold. And that's a ridiculous amount of energy and power, knowing that it will probably burn out to return power before he even gets to be an adult again, which as it appears coming up quick. Ten-year-old Cable resolves to use his telepathic potential to help fix the problem areas in Deadpool's brain. Oh, that's a lot of work for him to do. <laughs> well, Forge gets that process going with more, you know, pseudo comic book science. The full X Force team. This this uh, incarnation is Cannonball and Siren, who we've already been seeing through the past few issues. But we also get some pretty sweet cameos. Uh, you know, I made the joke about, you know, the, all the cameos no one gave a shit about. This is These are the first cameos that are, like, really, really, outside of the, you know, X-Men cameos and the uh, Domino cameos in the beginning of the book. These are the first ones that are worthwhile again. Um, because you get some really A-list uh, members of X-Force, at least. Uh, you got Cannonball and Siren. Like I said, we already saw them. But you've also got Shatterstar, Boom Boom. And Warpath. Warpath. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, if you've ever read the uh, the the Black Ops X Force team, Warpath is one of the most badass characters in that. I have a couple it's, of that series, and I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's it's after uh, Messiah Complex, so it's after all this stuff because Messiah Complex after the House of M and the Decimation, um, Scarlet Witch. Uh, 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 goes on the goes into hiding in the x-men they're the first mutant baby that is born after what they start calling m day is um is born in like alaska and then sinister sends the marauders the x-men and someone else is there uh i won't spoil it because actually this cable and deadpool storyline ends almost right before that happens because someone from this story makes is a huge part of that uh uh messiah complex story but um the reason i was bringing that up is because that's where war warpath's badass side comes out because uh he witnesses caliban getting spoiler alert killed <laughs> yeah and uh just goes just goes dark and and depressed for a long time and that manifests in like joining the Black Ops X-Force and just being so ready to murder so many purifiers. <laughs> just a real badass story. 
But when Warpath punches his head onto his shoulder. Off his shoulders. Off his shoulders. Thank you. I was like, what? Uh, but when Warpath punches his head off his shoulders, the team realizes that they were with fighting with a hollow shell. Not the actual villain. Meanwhile, Cable reaches into Deadpool's head. Ew. And proceeds to heal some of what is wrong in there. Well, there's a lot of wrong in there. He didn't... He, he didn't reach into his head, like, physically, but, you know, just... Oh, even if you're doing it psychically, telekinetically, physically, there's a lot you don't want to reach in at Deadpool. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool because you see, like in the in the image that you see, they're all like classic Deadpool comic panels and stuff like that that are just flowing as his eyes glow. Both of his eyes glow like Cable's left eye, and yeah, and. Also, Warpath punched black boxes. <laughs> I realized I didn't put it in there, and I went off on a huge digression. But uh, it, it's it's black boxes uh, had that Warpath punches off, and they realize the empty shell. Um. Anyway, it's not like he could heal everything because having a weird mind is one of the things that makes Deadpool Deadpool. So, like, he fixes as much as he can. Uh, Which I'm sure is very little. there's too much to fix that's the whole point of the end of the story (laughs) Um, later as X-Force Deadpool's 16 year old Cable oh man tweener Forge and Irene Merriweather discuss the events of the issue Deadpool announces that he is taking Cable for some R&R in a town that is sure to have everything they're looking for I really wonder where that leads he hints that it is a place in Pennsylvania which prompts Cannonball, X-Force's resident Hayseed, to teleport Deadpool that he has... To tell Deadpool. To tell, thank you, sorry. To tell Deadpool that he has been there and that is not what he thinks. But Deadpool, of course, doesn't ever listen. <laughs> with a quick body slide by two, uh, the, issue, the issue ends with Teenage Cable and Deadpool... Uh, walking, uh, or yeah, walking down a deserted country road. The sign they're walking past is welcoming them to Intercourse, Pennsylvania, and has been the source of plentiful jokes about what he's looking for and whether or not Irene and and or uh, Siren and and Boom Boom should come with them and blah blah blah. Uh, just a lot of in, uh, uh, innuendo jokes from Deadpool. I, I um, saw I saw that cover art and I, I mean that page and it had me down laughing too. I was like, right, that is hilarious. <laughs> I think I remember when Mayweather says it best when she goes, see, that's what I mean. What does being cured really mean? He's still an insufferable idiot. <laughs> so um, they're walking past this sign welcoming them to Intercourse, Pennsylvania. As Deadpool tells a story about a time when he was working with Captain America against someone using gas that causes diarrhea. Um, and I say someone because he doesn't explain it as much uh, in here. Although he does, no, he doesn't mention the duck. Um, there are other times when he tells this story that is it's hinted that he was working with like Howard the Duck and Doc and fighting against Doctor Bong or something like that. Yeah. So, which isn't what most of the stoners out there would think it is. Doctor Bong has a bell for a head, like Bong. Ah. 
Um, yeah, so he, he, he tells a story about a time when he was working with Captain America against someone using gas that causes diarrhea. And with that, we are finally out of the Enema of the State storyline, which started off strong and then became just, hey, the editor said that you have to tie into this massive event. Do it. And uh, just, just kind of fizzled out. The first part with the, the, the um, you know, Murder in Paradise was really, really good. And then after that, it just kind of gets to, oh, um, you know, we have to tie into House of M somehow. So let's make it really confusing. Yeah. But that's just real opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something they would do. Um, Pretty much. Favorite art. I I did like actually um, Deadpool trying to work with helping Deadpool on the table. Just like Kid Cable like trying to work with him. I thought that was, like I said, he kind of had Deadpool put as a crucifix and you see his face. Which is oddly enough still horrifying even as a comic. <laughs> um, but I like that part. I, I thought it was... Uh, there was a nice piece of art. Also, the cover was just pretty funny, as we mentioned I, before. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the specific panel where Deadpool is, um, you know, Cable's actively using telepathy to fix his mind, and you know, Deadpool's obviously screaming, but they have all these like wavy, broken images that are all like classic comic panels from old Deadpool comics supposed to be like the memories sort of reordering and rearranging themselves. And, um, I thought that was pretty cool. A really good effect. Yeah. Um, favorite part of the story. Uh, the end. This was, this was such a transition chapter that, like, you could kind of tell that everything was just kind of like... Yeah, I, the end is just hilarious because, come on, intercourse? It's just <laughs> too funny. It's so dumb, it's hilarious. But also, like, that was the funniest part because, you know, they had all those those intercourse jokes and they had all the innuendo between Deadpool and... and uh, Meriwether. There, uh, that these days, uh, if you're reading it with a woke lens, might have seemed borderline... Uh, harassment um, but uh, like it, the whole the whole issue just seems like oh yeah we kind of wrote ourselves into a box of we don't know how the fuck to fix this now let's fix it now let's fix it yeah <laughs> um, story MVP <laughs> forge <laughs> yeah i like him just kind of making up you know the science and is like well this is how it is and this is what's happening well i dump on him all the time but he was the god in the machine literally he was yeah. the one who well, time they needed something up, it was like oh yeah forge is going to set that up and then this is, and then it's gonna happen i was about to say you like to dump on forge and i like to dump on cyclops but of course he's not in this so that makes it dump on cyclops boring for me um <laughs> shittiest character that didn't really have... I mean, maybe Deadpool a little, because... No, I don't know. I didn't really have one. Uh, well, Cannonball, just because he's in there. No, because... You know, can't... I, can't well, you can have Cannonball be your shittiest character. I can't have Cannon... 
I, I, I can't have Cannonball be my shittiest character because all he tries to do is like, in spite of all the times that Deadpool's like, ah, fuck you, Hayseed, uh, Cannonball still tries to kind of warn them that like, you know, I've been, I know exactly where you're saying you're going to go, even though you don't want to name it in front of the women. Uh, you know, it's not what you think. And it really isn't what Deadpool thinks. <laughs> I mean, it never really is what Deadpool thinks. I think he mixes everything together. He's like, totally. It's like, you know where you're going, right? It's like, yeah. It's like, no, you don't. But okay. I'll, I'll be honest. She had some good quips in this, in this story, but, uh, or in this chapter, but Irene Merriweather didn't do shit. <laughs> All she was was there. Yeah. I guess you're right. Um, and in the end, she wasn't even necessary for Deadpool to hit on because both Siren and Boom Boom were there at the same time. Well, yeah, and it's kind of like, well, Meriwether's been more attached towards um, Banshee and Professor X anyway. Well, I mean, she's she is Cable's Lois Lane. When he's at his Supermanist, she's his lowest lane. No, oh, well, all right. Or at least that's how I kind of viewed the the relationship. Where it was like kind of, you know, hey, we're gonna have Cable be essentially Superman for the first part of this entire comic book run, you know, because that's what he that that that's what Deadpool pegs him as in the first storyline in the uh, if looks can kill storyline is he calls him Superman without a kryptonite Agita, and then that's when that becomes real clear, like oh. Oh, so like Irene Merriweather, the intrepid reporter at the Daily Bugle, is kind of like, you know, uh, Lois Lane, the intrepid reporter at uh, the Daily Planet. (laughs) 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 They kind of hit it right on the head and then they're like, yeah, we're not going to get him married or even have Cable recognize anything about her at all outside of, hey, you're useful to me because I don't know. That's kind of how he interacts with everything. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I would say she was my shittiest character right now, just because not because I don't like her, but because she didn't do much. Yeah. Well, uh, just to reannounce, we will be focusing more towards the House of M upcoming. Yeah. So the, I mean, the next issue when we get into the next book, uh, Cable and Deadpool will be in Intercourse, Pennsylvania, and it will be. Exactly the way uh, uh, Cannonball describes. So it turns it, it's a very dialogue heavy uh, issue, and I think if I'm remembering correctly, they do a lot of uh, sort of explaining their own backstories, which for Cable means you know rehashing all the shit about how he's from the future and blah blah blah, and uh, for Deadpool it means yet another possible origin story because he has like four and the only one thing I know is the T-Ray one is bullshit so <laughs> I'm not going to explain further than that because we're going to come upon a storyline where T-Ray does show up and it's like oh fuck he's here and this story sucks because <laughs> <laughs> T-Ray is just dumb but anyway we're going to focus because of that because it's not a very exciting time in our in our in our issues we're gonna uh jump ship for just a little bit and uh you know we made a mistake when we didn't cover whatever the hell that storyline with the scorn was because it kept going back to it for a few issues and 
now it's not going to keep going. I mean, everything in, in Marvel for a little while, at least on the mutant side, go back to House of M for a long time. So it might be just a good thing to uh, to get into, we figured. And so for the next few weeks, I think well, it'll probably be two episodes, but we're not we're inconsistent because, you know, amateur podcast. So uh, thank you, we're gonna... my parents, for listening to this. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> we did we did just get our first piece of, of of fan mail but it was uh merely fabio's you know damn it verano's dad <laughs> it was mainly verano's dad uh apparently he doesn't want him to do the podcast much anymore <laughs> yeah that never it doesn't mean i ever listen i'm like deadpool <laughs> listen to it still going with it but uh yeah we got a piece of fan mail kind of maybe not really you know i'm counting it <laughs> complaints still count for us so we don't give a crap um, even if they're family because <laughs> yeah. the family has to listen <laughs> exactly family loves you regardless supposedly um so- so in the interest, one of the things we thought was, you know what, if we're gonna if we're gonna change things up, we're gonna cover the House of M. We should also uh, change up the skits. And so, uh, you know, if we're gonna do the House of M, it's a real easy transition to do the House of M. Yes, we'll and... have something about um, pies to the face, tripping on a banana. <laughs> I swear, I feel like I'm missing something else that I have to do with mmm. Yep. So, what that means is that today, in the interest of blending our new cooking-based show, because that's what mm, is, is we're gonna be we're gonna be doing food, uh, you know, with the upcoming holiday. Uh, I believe we're gonna try to get this episode out before St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, St. Patrick's uh, Day is on a Wednesday. Yep, uh, Verano has uh, made us some corned beef and cabbage to try. That is right, and here it is. Why does it smell like that? What do you mean? Smell like what? Like a salty diaper filled to the brim with three-week-old vegetable broth. No, I don't smell anything out of the ordinary. Okay. Well, anyways, now we're going to try the dish and... Oh, well, that is unpleasant. The meat is really flaky, and uh, the vegetables don't do much to hide that. Wow. I I don't really like it either. I mean, what the hell did you do? I kind of thought you knew how to cook. Whose recipe did you follow for this? What do you mean? You told me you want to do a cooking show. And then just told me to make my best corned beef and cabbage because it's St. Patrick's Day coming up. And you walked away like you always do. I'm a fucking Colombian. It's not like this is a dish that's something I'm close culturally to. Your hero mud ass is like ethnically closer to Ireland than my ass is. <laughs> I simply went with the store, found a pre-portion, bacon be done option. And I called it a day. So wait, 
This was all assembled at the store, and all you had to do was bake it? Yeah. And you followed the directions to the letter. Are you trying to be insulting? You, you trying to be no. backwards here? <laughs> no. Uh, but I figured out what went wrong with our dish today. Uh, your cooking skills are fine. It was our fault for choosing a briny monstrosity like corned beef and cabbage. So what you're saying is... That's right. You're a fine cook, my friend. Even if I didn't even care to check and literally just walked away like, you know, Keenan did and Keenan and Kel. That's my fault. Corned beef and cabbage just kind of, you know, sucks. So then what are we going to do with all of this? I'd say we should donate it, but I'm pretty sure even the animal shelter would think we were trying to abuse the poor animal's stomachs. Well, I guess we'll think of something. Until then. Happy St. Patrick's Day.